It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Anya Alvarez here, producer of Off the Looking Glass, and I am in my third week of training to try to qualify for the U.S. Open. And let me tell you, I did not appreciate the fact that when I was playing golf professionally, that it was my full-time job, that I literally got to be out on the golf course for six, eight hours a day. And now I work full time. I'm trying to find time to actually practice is a challenge. But the thing that I do notice as far as the way that I practice now compared to how I practiced when golf was my full time job is that I am way more focused and intentional because sometimes I may only have an hour, if I'm lucky, sometimes two hours. And I really have to practice more with a purpose because I don't have time to just putz around on the course. And what I'll say is that definitely age gives you a lot more wisdom. And I think I would have gotten a lot more out of my practice when I was younger had I had to focus the way that I do now since my time is very limited. Your focus needs more focus. If I do qualify for the U.S. Open, I'm probably not going to be working that week. So this is uh, just my notice that I'll be taking that week off. Until that time, no one is getting anything. So I will see you guys on the next tee next week, sharing more of my journey as I try to qualify for the U.S. Open. Welcome to Off the Looking Glass. I'm Kate Fagan. I'm Jessica Smetana. Well, it is week three of following Anya Alvarez's pursuit to qualify for the U.S. Open, and she's running into what I often think when I think about professional athletes, which is that it takes a lot of time to be one and a lot of money sometimes. Especially when your sport is one that takes hours and hours to do. You can't go to like the free throw line, shoot 100 free throws and call it a day. Oh, is that what basketball is, Jess? Just practice some free throws and then you're out? I assume that's what you guys do. Yeah. Just some free throws and then you're out. Right? Yeah, that's pretty what much. What else would you no, do? There's not much else to do when it comes to basketball. Yes. She's got a lot of jobs. She helps keep this podcast running. And now she's trying to qualify for the U.S. Open all on top of it. So I hate to see what her calendar looks like. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see. I mean, I sure do hope she qualifies for this U.S. Open because that Pebble Beach is something special. Again, <laughs> just letting you know, Jess. All right, we have got, it's a good show. It's a good show this week, mm-hmm. Jess. I don't know if you know this. It is. We followed through on a promise, which was to finally watch Mighty Ducks. So we have yes. a Does It Hold Up with the Mighty Ducks. And Kate, 
We also have Hillary Knight, who ah, is... Hillary so this is basically Knight. just a hockey episode. And before you hear Hillary Knight and the Mighty Ducks, I would like to quote the Mighty Ducks. One of the best movie quotes probably of all time. Okay. <clears throat> quote, I hate kids. They're barely human. End quote. So as you can tell, we really, really have a lot to say. We like the movie. It was right up my alley. So we're going to get right to that. All right, we should bring on the backward hat wearing Hillary Knight, maybe. What do you think? Let's do it. Our guest today is a four time Olympic medalist, three silvers, one gold, and a nine time world champion with the U.S. women's national ice hockey team. What a shot, Hillary Knight! She played college hockey at Wisconsin and professionally with, among others, the Boston Pride of the NWHL. She's currently a part of the For the Game movement, whose goal is a sustainable pro league for women's ice hockey in North America. All right, let's do it. Let's bring her on, Hillary Knight. How's it going? Hillary, it's good to see you. (laughs) Did you just come from a workout? Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it? Break it down for us. What was this workout? Oh, uh, just on ice. I actually, so I was in Nashville last night doing uh, like the between the benches stuff, Nashville, St. Louis, and then flew in this morning, skated and just got back home. <laughs> Are you always cold? Like, do you always have a hat on? <laughs> uh, no, it just like dropped to the 50s here. It's well, brutal. This It's funny that Jess asked that about always having a hat on? Because I actually wanted to ask you, Hillary, whether you truly believe you have mastered the backwards baseball cap look. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you've mastered it? Or is there any tweaking you think you need to make? No, I think I'm good. I don't know. I cut like six and a half inches off my hair this summer and I was like, I just don't know what to do. Not that I knew what to do with my hair before, but now I'm just like, it's like awkwardly in between. So backwards cap is definitely the way to go. So I'm just going to continue to rock it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely about the tilt, you know? Yeah, re- yeah. <laughs> you really got to master the tilt. And I just want to compliment you that you you absolutely have mastered the tilt. Thank the you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was reading that you and, what is it, 21 other women's players are in the new NHL 23 EA Sports game? EA Sports. It's in the game. Yeah. More than 20. There's a handful of us. What was that process like? Did they do they still actually need you to come in and do stuff, or is technology far surpassed my yeah knowledge? I think they've been able to kind of capture just from like game footage and then use probably the metrics of whoever they have in studio running through on the guy's side from like the green screen stuff. But I know they want to do a green screen with like all those like dots and everything. So I don't know when that's gonna happen. But my shin guards are pretty big in the game, so I think like. <laughs> We got to get a little dialed back with the gear. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, have you played a beta version or could I go play it right now if I wanted to? You could go play it right now. Do you play it a lot? I played like a couple weeks ago. I just moved. So I have like my life's in boxes right now. But Mm. during COVID, like I would game hours a day, every day of the week. Because like I didn't have to travel. I didn't have to do anything. So and it was just a way to like talk to my brothers and just chill and pass time. But now I don't have any time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about just like hockey and the future of hockey and all of, I know so much of your career has been like moving this game forward. 
Take us back to 2018. Y'all win the gold medal. United States wins gold in And I imagine because you got silver, right? The, the two Olympics before then? Does that sound? I have so many silvers. You have so many silvers, you just stuff some in the bag that you gave to Meg Linehan that you asked her to put in her car. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We're back down in the rabbit hole, Kate, because this whole discussion of Olympic medals and trophies brings up an interesting question that I have for you. Oh. As someone who has an Emmy on display in their living room. (laughs) Was there ever a point in time in which you were like moving or traveling or something and just like forgot where it was for a little bit? Well, no, I've never forgotten where it is. Uh, But I do always have the conversation whenever people are coming over, I say to Catherine, my wife, I'm like, I should put this upstairs in the closet or I should put it in some cabinet. And she has to stop me from doing that. Yeah. Because you have an instinct to hide it. Why? Yes. Well, because it seems like it just seems douchey to leave it out to me. I don't. But then I. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it should. Like if I had an Olympic medal, I would wear it around my neck every single day to remind me. Yes. If I had an Olympic medal of any color, I would have those. Obviously, I would have those on display. In fact, okay. speaking of this Emmy, we had people over the other night and they were kind of in that area and then they asked about it. And then when everyone was gone. Catherine was like, I heard you over there downplaying your Emmy. Did that happen again? <laughs> and I was like, yes. Because I'm always like, look, hundreds of people got this. Everybody who worked oh, on the show. come on. You know, and and I'm never going to win one again, so I keep it here. Like, I do a whole song and dance about it. Okay, so, well, on a future episode, we need to unpack why we have the instinct to constantly downplay our achievements and not right. take full ownership and credit over things that we have earned and deserve. Do you think that men are asking themselves this question? No, I Should think, I keep my Emmy I think out? they staple Emmys to their foreheads. Like, in fact, <laughs> I have worked with people who have done just that. <laughs> um, but before we head back up, you'll hear us talking about this athletic article written by Meg Linehan, who is fantastic. She wrote an article in May of 2022. Hillary Knight takes control. Her identity, her dreams, and the fight for what's next. So when we mention this article in the rest of this interview... That is where that's coming from. Go go give it a Google and give it a read. When y'all won the gold there at South Korea, were you like, you know, this is going to change women's hockey like winning the World Cup, you know, has often changed women's soccer? Like, and what has the reality been? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question because, yes, I was like, here's our Disney moment. When you wish upon a star let's go, like, let's spread our wings and fly with it. And we did have a really successful post-Olympic media tour. However, after that, the game didn't change in terms of our lifestyle and what we're trying to accomplish at the professional level too much and not quick enough, I guess. And obviously, like, we go back a while. You know, I've been in the pro space trying to do all that stuff, uh, which is extremely fun. But Encouraged by our visibility and the numbers from the Olympic Games, I just expected more, I guess, monetary support in the space, uh, whether that's like other individual players or, you know, bigger brands from the U.S. signing on, uh, wanting to be a part of what we're doing on the professional side. Because otherwise, if you're not an Olympic brand or partner, you're not going to be at the Olympics having an athlete promoting your brand. So it was just interesting to kind of the expectation was here and it didn't necessarily meet that expectation. But 
you know, I think back to, I'm like, was that a little bit naive to think that we we were going to change the game? You know, I think when you look back at soccer um, in the 99ers, specifically for us, we're probably 20 plus years behind them trying to cut that learning curve with all their knowledge and what they've done um, in the professional field. But yeah, I just thought that we would have that same aha moment. And I think we're still on the cusp of it. Why do you think that was? Do you think there's any reason why it didn't become an aha moment? No, I think part of it was probably because we didn't have a uh, post-Olympic programming in terms of like games. I think our product is so good that people want to see it again. And yes, a media tour is phenomenal. We as players pushed extremely hard for a media tour. And then by the end of it, you're just like, oh my gosh, when is this thing going to end? But it was important to be able to share that success and continue that momentum to drive that um, going into the pro circuit. But to not have any programming post-Olympics, I think definitely hurt us. Do you think there's anything unique about hockey or like women's hockey culture or just hockey culture that makes it easier or harder to like gain traction as as a group after an event like that? Yeah, I think just hockey as a sport is extremely insulated for better and for worse and depending on, you know, what topic we're talking about, but I think a lot of it's just changing behavior, changing mindset. And we're starting to see more opportunity for women in the game, which is incredible. Obviously, you know, someone who's been in the game for this long is like, okay, well, that was great yesterday. Now, where are we going? So, you know, I think a little bit of it is just trying to combat those biases of just women's sports in general and having a significant bias in hockey. So just changing behavior, changing mindsets and then also too visibility, right? We need to be able to provide our products sort of night in and night out that's consistent so people know where to follow us how they're going to follow us and can continue to follow us during non-Olympic years as well. When I was at ESPN, I spent a lot of time thinking about like the different cultures within each sport that was like affecting how people perceived it and thinking a lot about everyone would always point to the WNBA and be like, well, why aren't they able to reach the same success as U.S. Women's National Soccer Team? And then you bring in the element of, of race, like the WNBA is much more black than soccer historically has been. And I know you touched on like hockey culture being insular. And I think just to add one more thing to it, I think in the last two to three years, the WNBA has actually benefited. And like Sue Bird will say, like we were outcasts for a while, right? Like there's a lot of gay women in the league and there's a lot of uh, issues that they faced that for 20 years previous, it was like, we're not going to touch that. And now they have reached their moment when society is sort of reaching that moment too. So can you go a little further into maybe hockey and its culture and the ways that that might create more hurdles, if that's a fair thing to say? Yeah, no. And and that's, you know, that's why I did the piece with Meg, right? I was fearful of coming out and I just didn't know how that would be perceived. And that's someone like I've grown up in this culture. So from that standpoint, it's a little bit sad thinking that, you know, you wouldn't be not necessarily my own teammates because my own teammates are awesome. I've been out to them for years, right? But I think just the perception in the community and granted, there's, you know, pockets of the community that are phenomenal and, and hockey is the best sport and super, you know, open arms and accepting and that's great. But there are some other parts of the game and the culture that are not so great <laughs> that uh, we're trying to combat. And it's just I don't know if it's gatekeeping. I don't necessarily know specifically, but we've never really embraced social change. And I think that's what we're seeing the crux of other sports, the WNBA and WSL, just embracing that change and being totally in the moment, things that they've been doing for many, many years. And now things are 
more public and aligned and hockey just hasn't been there. I think for many years we've checked a box. And so that's what I think is really interesting about the women's side of the game is we are so much involved in our community and we want to be a part of those moments because we are involved with social impact and social change. So, you know, it's just, it's going to take time, but um, I'm confident that we're going to be able to get there. Yeah. When you were saying earlier, you know, it's like we can't have a conversation about women's sports and not talk about the 99ers. Go! It's like mm-hmm. just, it's always like that kind of pivotal moment. You sort of mentioned that you think hockey is 20 years behind. Do you, Is that really, do you think yeah. it is a generation behind? Is that really 100%. what it is? Both, okay. both off and on ice, right? I think just um, opportunities for women in the game are now becoming more prevalent, which is great. But you know, there's just little nuances to it. And potentially it's because just the, there's so many barriers to get involved in the sport that it makes it hard to be able to grow it. And then you're always hitting the same type of community, the same type of person. So what I'd like to see is it to be more transformational, be more accessible. So um, that's something that I think will build along in the piece that we're trying to do on the women's side. In the piece that, that Meg did write for The Athletic, she lists a bunch of like maybe famous Hillary Knight anecdotes and yeah. one of them was that you as a kid you wrote a book like the magical hockey stick oh gosh yeah okay wait can you describe this book to us how old you were and whether yeah. there a copy of it is you know maybe at the national historic library or my mom has else? a copy it's in a ziploc bag somewhere no Smart. i honestly it's kind of it's crazy because i went back i was like mom like what is this right like okay like now i'm turning the pages and stuff and by the way, the illustrations are phenomenal. I mean, I should get picked <laughs> no up. No doubt. No doubt. I can't remember how old I was, but essentially the story is about this young girl who makes a friend or befriends her magical hockey stick that ends up taking her around the world and, and playing these these games. But the way that she made this friend was because she was being bullied at school. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like I was writing about being bullied at school <laughs> and it just so happened it came out, come out in this book that was more so about hockey. So that's why I, I really want to be careful because there are so many great things about the team sport aspect and the hockey community because it did give me a way to be who I am today and to grow and to learn all these life lessons um, because I wasn't the same as everybody else at school, right? So there's sort of that catch-22 double edge to it. Now, has anyone pitched you on the idea of actually redoing this book and actually releasing it as a children's book? I don't, I'm not saying you need new yeah. illustrations because it sounds no, like keeping they, the illustrations, <laughs> but I don't know. This sounds like, this sounds like something that we might be able to put out in 2023 or something. Right. No? Yeah. No, yeah, it, it would be awesome. Um, <laughs> I just think it's, it's ironic, right? I mean, getting bullied at school, find this sport, fall in love with the sport because, you know, it just consumes you in the best way. And then now I'm able to do all these crazy things and that's actually what happened, you know, in life. So yeah. I would love to share that story yes. with the young, young exactly. girls. You know? Exactly. <laughs> or young all boy, right. whoever. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get on it. One other thing that it doesn't surprise me, I'm, I, we've met in real life a couple times and you're Hillary Knight, so you're kind of intimidating. But the one thing Meg was talking about was like that other hockey national team kids who might be coming up through the program feel the same way. But then they get to know you 
do you actually understand that you might come across as intimidating or are you surprised by that when you hear it? <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. We were actually talking about this and joking about it this morning. So I sit next to Abby Rock in the locker room and she was like, oh, yeah, like I really like to talk to my line mates. You know, we get off the ice. And I looked at her and go, Abby, you didn't say one word to me this past year during the Olympic year because we were line mates for a hot second before she got injured. She's like, oh, that's because I was terrified of you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, come on. You know, I have that, like, good resting bitch face. And people are probably, like, terrified of me, don't want to sit next to me, don't want to talk to me. I'm a little shy, too. So I try to go out of my way to say hi and engage in conversation. When you were before, I don't know what this timeline was, but maybe before you got some of like the Red Bull and the other sponsorships that allowed you to be able to keep playing hockey without getting like a traditional nine to five job. And you're like sitting outside the stop and shop or the stop and save and thinking, is it time that I need to move on from hockey? Did you have any idea of like what moving on from hockey for you would have would have looked like? No, um, I had a prospective job selling insurance i think it was like through a, a friend imagine of a if you'd taken that <laughs> like, oh my god i know it's it's crazy and this is like this is so important you know you get out of college you see everyone get these like phenomenal opportunities and it's changing with all the nil stuff but you're like okay like i'm gonna go play pro and then it's just it doesn't match up to anything close to what your college experience was at and you're out of college. You can't get that back. And so you just have to figure it out. And fortunately I was lucky enough to be able to do that. But one of my big things is when I step away from this game, the next girl or next woman coming up, like she should not have to do that. Like that was just such a sad moment. And for my mom is this huge competitor. She gets it. But for her to not get it and say, oh, you need to get a job. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Like, I can't get a job and do this. So I never want anybody to experience that. And I think we're getting closer. We're not quite there yet, but fingers crossed soon. You mentioned all the crazy stuff you've gotten to do. Aside from like, you know, the best games that you've won or best games of your international career, like things that, you know, might end up on the wiki page. What are some of the crazier Hillary Knight stories just over the years of playing and traveling and getting to be part of the sport? Oh, gosh, there are so many. And that's what's funny is like, obviously, the the big moments winning, whatever, right? Like, those are great. But it's all the other ones in between, you know, like the random bar or casino you find yourself at with one of your teammates and <laughs> you're getting in trouble for touching the table because they do it differently in a different country. Or, um, you know, wearing like... That sounds like a story. Yeah, I know. We were in Belarus, and I don't don't think we would be even back over there. You didn't understand the Belarusian table etiquette? No? Okay. (laughs) I was terrified. These guys would come in, and they're in their suits. I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to get kicked out of this place. We're not going to be able to leave, but... I don't even know, like maybe like the baby KGB calling, wondering why you're working out at you know, whatever hotel and whatnot. But that was that was a trip in itself. We did like a shoot together. I think we were wearing like a few million dollars of jewelry. Like that was fun. I mean, there's all these weird perks that you think back. You're like, oh, like I did that. And also like, you know, a handful of embarrassing ones as well to to laugh about. (laughs) So I have a lot of fun ones. I want to know about the million dollars in jewelry. Did you get to keep any of it? Maybe like put some in your pocket. (laughs) They had security guards on set and Mm. they would follow you to the bathroom door when you would go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) 
what is the hockey equivalent of an embarrassing thing to do? Like an air ball. An air ball. And do you even, do those happen to you anymore? I mean, they, you're Hillary Knight. Oh, like, probably like leaving your skate guards on when you're taking the ice. And like, <laughs> oh, okay. I won't wear skate yeah. guards because of that. Because I'm like, no, like, I'm totally going to accidentally leave them on. And take oh, them oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Oh, you just absolutely you eat, eat it. You, you eat just shit. go face yeah. plant, like, Bambi legs all the way out. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. There's like always pranks and stuff too. So you want to make sure you don't have, you know, a name tag on your helmet or something, you know, hanging off of you, especially for practices. That's a pretty common yeah. one. Running into someone else during warmups mm. or in a game, like that's super embarrassing as well. Do you yeah. ever, do you ever just like totally whiff on a puck anymore? Oh yeah. 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 It's great. Okay. Super humbling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough sport. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it seems probably one of the hardest the of yes. all time. Do you ever watch like the YouTube compilations of um, people who are like going out onto the ice to sing the national anthem and then like step off the little like carpet and like eat shit? Do you ever watch those and laugh? I do laugh, and it's actually like sort of a, a nightmare too because you just hope if you're doing like a hot lap, you don't skate over one of those carpets. And yes. we had a close call in Montreal a couple weekends ago because we weren't told about the carpet and so if you're skating mm. in a new building and you don't know where they lay out the carpet you're just you're running blind out there so yeah it yeah. Can get dicey. Haz- hazardous yeah yeah yes <laughs> that's why i just don't ice skate at all too many yeah. too many hazards Perfect. Yes, too many hazards all right one thing we do on the show is we review old movies where female athletes make an appearance is it just an absurd assumption that mighty ducks was like a seminal movie for you or was it that's the first movie that I thought of because I was like, oh, Julie the Cat. So this was a seminal movie then. The Mighty Ducks trilogy is like still... The original. Landmark. Okay. Yeah. The original. Yeah. Okay. What are some other ones? Well, my favorite hockey one, um, no... Yeah. just I think it's an all-guy cast, but uh, Mystery Alaska. We're in this game! That's a good one. Anybody here tired? No. no Russell no, Crowe is in that, right? Yep. Anybody fucking tired? No! no. They heat up the potatoes and they put them in their skates to get their skates nice and warm. I can really identify that being from Idaho. So, well, have you done that? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we have more we have modern warming technology rooms now. now. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you yeah. do. <laughs> okay. Hillary Knight, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Go unpack some boxes. Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The scope of the motion picture is tremendous. It brings to us the life of foreign lands and strange peoples, the highlights of current events. The theater screen gives pleasure and enlightenment to millions everywhere. This is Does It Hold Up? Where Jess and I go back and watch films that put women on the field or on the court, and we decide whether it still inspires and wows us, or whether it's a heaping pile of shit. They were the worst team in the league. Anybody could beat these pansies. Until a new player showed up. I'm Connie. I'm forward. I mean, that's what I play. Now she's turning them into winners. Emilio Estevez. I think he's cute. The Mighty Ducks, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Starts Friday, October 2nd. Oh my God, here we go. I'm gonna watch Mighty Ducks.
weeks. Jess, we are back with a Does It Hold Up? It's been a while. It has been a while. In this movie from 1993, near and dear to my heart, because when I first saw it in the theater at age 12, Jess, it was a big deal. And so we rewatched it. Now, before I dive into it about my feelings upon this rewatching, first time I've seen it since 1993, I want to know what you thought. This was my first time watching it. I didn't know what to expect because it's a beloved childhood classic. And sometimes those, Kate, do not hold up. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, this movie was fine. I thought the best skating of the film was actually the way the screenwriters skated over the DUI in the first act and just we moved right (laughs) past that. And that was kind of fun as, as a premise for a children's movie. But otherwise, we had a girl on the hockey team. Movie probably does not pass the Bechdel test, but that's expected for a a, a boys hockey movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of the stereotypical sports movie tropes. When you see a single mom, you know she's going to have a love interest by the end of the movie. And lo and behold, she did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it was cute. There was a lot of cute stuff in it. Gordon Bombay is a unhinged name for a title character, but I enjoyed it. You think losing is funny? Well, not at first, but once you get the hang of it. <laughs> Can I ask you how long you prepared that opening about the way the movie skated over the DUI? Um, I just feel like that was a great line. Just off the cuff. Just off the cuff. Yeah. Wow. Very sharp wit. Thank you. Okay, so I was really pleased in rewatching The Mighty Ducks that it pretty much holds up. Yeah. Does it hold up in terms of being riveting? No. (laughs) It was... No. It was a little boring sometimes. But that's sort of like... And again, this is part of Does It Hold Up, but... Back in 1993, remember that we didn't need as much to hold our attention. If there was Mm. like a story A, story B, story C, that's fine. Now you'll see every show that is made, every single character has a storyline with every other single character on a show. Yeah. And that was not the case in 1993. You basically had the love interest story, but the overarching story was this band of misfits are going to try to win this Pee Wee Hockey League title. So I will actually say, right, there's one line that I think doesn't hold up, but I'm going to give it a pass. And that was like early in the film when the Velvet Hammer, Mm -hmm. at the time, Connie, the only girl player on the team, like they're doing a drill and the point is that he's trying to make them cheat because he he doesn't want to coach them, right? Because he just wants to get back to being a lawyer. And she trips the guy and he, Emilio Estevez, Gordon Bombay walks by and is like, score one for the skirt. (laughs) And the whole phrase of the skirt was Mm. a big thing in the early 90s. I have never really heard that. Oh, yeah. And I hate it because she's playing hockey. She's not wearing a skirt. And but that's just how men would refer to women. Like, oh, the skirt over there. Hey, go talk to the skirt. Like inside and outside of sports, capital T, capital S, the skirt was just a way to talk about a woman. Obviously not holding up. Yeah, don't, that part didn't hold up. I mean, there were like things here and there, like a lot of these movies where I'm like, ugh, eye roll. I thought though, like generally, the moral of the story is sports are about having fun. Don't put pressure on kids like Gordon Bombay's coach did when he was a little kid and essentially like destroyed his love of hockey. Oh no, little Gordon Bombay hit the post. I have no doubt. He is going to redeem himself. 
and the year that his dad died and like, let's go out in there and have fun. And if you have fun and get $15,000 from your boss to invest in equipment, you can win the Pee Wee Hockey <laughs> Championship, which is great. And that's what ends up happening. So the core message I think was pretty good for a children's movie. Yeah, I really thought aside from the skirt reference in terms of like the, the way the gender roles mm-hmm. were either stereotyped or not in this movie, you had Connie on the team from the beginning. Thank you, Dwayne, but I'm no lady. I'm a duck! <laughs> and then in the middle, they bring on the figure skating brother-sister tandem. So yeah. there was two girls on this team. And what I really liked about the Mighty Ducks was that they were just on the team. They were on the ice. They were not on the ice. It wasn't like, oh, it's the girl. And the girl, aside from like a brief indication when they were at the NHL game and one of the boys grabs her hand. Like oh, yeah. He has a crush and then they kiss, they kiss at the end, too. Like, she obviously, the girl has to get coupled up. Like, there's two female characters in this movie that have names. They obviously both have to end up in relationships because that's like the evolution of a female character is like you have to end up in a relationship with a man or a little boy or whatever. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> in one way, I truly thought this movie was ahead of its time. Not just does it hold up but paving the way to our future. And I don't know if you caught this, Jess, mm-hmm. but it's the moment when, sidebar, um, all of the quacking I could have done without, like it mm-hmm. just didn't work for me. Wait, the was, the, was the moment of the future when they played hockey with eggs? Because that is a new fun sport that I think we should have instead of real hockey. No, but that was fun. I feel like if we have pickleball now, why can't we have egg stick, right? Egg stick. <laughs> <laughs> but... The moment I'm talking about is when they're all essentially in detention writing to the principal, I will not quack at the principal in school. And Gordon Bombay, their coach, shows up and he walks into detention and all of the Mighty Ducks are there. And he says, hey, guys, I want to talk to you. And Connie says, people. And then he goes, people, I want to talk to you. And she is foreshadowing this question of whether referring to a group of people as guys is acceptable when it's either all girls or it is across gender. Did you catch that? Yes. And it's interesting because I know that that is like up for debate, I guess, now. Some people are cool with it and some people aren't. But it is like the question of pronoun usage and like inclusive language that is on you know Fox News every night that people think is like the worst thing that's ever happened in America is like asking people to say people, whereas this this little girl was just saying it like 30 yeah. years ago in a movie and it already yeah. happened. I think my main takeaway was this is like so much better than Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> that's, right. that's our barometer, right? Like <laughs> That is my- That's it. I was waiting for something tragic to happen at the end of the film. I was like, oh no, is Charlie gonna get decapitated by a, a skate? Is someone's <laughs> neck gonna get chopped in half? But no, everyone had a pretty happy ending. So Clint Eastwood would have done it differently. And for that, I'm glad he was not directing this film. Did you catch the Oreo line? What's this? The Oreo line? Yes, yes. Very casual- Yeah, and I I kind of like, I didn't know if I thought of it as racism or as the movie, like the movie did do a good job and both have like, there was diversity on the team, not just gender diversity, but it seemed racial diversity and a lot of age diversity, honestly. If like the one guy who's taking all of the slap shots, he looks like he's about 19, but we'll we'll leave that there. Fulton was Um, a 35 year old. Yeah. 
Like when we talk about Outer Banks and we're like, there's a 30-year-old playing a 16-year-old. Yeah. That happened in Muddy Ducks as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's the Oreo line where he's like, okay, I mean, he is a line in hockey, right? And he's like, my Oreo line, because it's two black right. players and a white player. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that line. But the one thing that doesn't hold up for me, Jess, so the premise is like Gordon Bombay bombs out of hockey at basically mm-hmm. age 10 because he misses this penalty shot to win peewees. And then 20 years later, 15 years later, he yeah. runs into his former peewee teammates who are now in the NHL, Mike Madonna, who in North 1993. Stars, yeah, when they were still in Minnesota. And he goes, hey man, if you ever want to try out in the minors, I'll get you one. Stop it. Just stop it. Well, because this is what, the male like, fantasy what? of like growing up and still being able to like become a professional athlete because it's like an attainable thing. Like we're always like convincing 35 year old men like that could have been you. Like you could have been out there if it weren't for that one slap shot when you were 12, buddy. You know, it's like, oh, come on. Give me a break. I mean, there was one other thing that does not hold up. The various head and spine injuries that these tiny children are yes, suffering while playing it's hockey. True. And just it's like true. the one kid gets like borderline knocked out and he's back on the bench and they're like, all right, put so-and-so in next. And it's like, oh no. Yeah, he's <laughs> literally is strapped to a gurney yes. and ushered off the ice. Oh, and we God. carry on. And, and we carry on. We do carry on. And I love the fact that this film had the budget to cast two adult actors as parents. And they're the only parents that you see that mm-hmm. are named or mentioned throughout the entire film. And they're at every game. And you just see two people in the stands that the camera's focused on. The rest are all extras, no lines, not credited. I love that about this film. But yeah, I mean, does it all hold up? No, it doesn't. Do parts of it hold up? Yes. Was it better than Million Dollar Baby? Also, yes. Are you surprised, okay, with the fact that it inspired not just one sequel, but two sequels? And also that little known fact, at least for me, who doesn't follow the NHL very closely, when we saw the stars in the movie, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, the Minnesota team isn't the stars, it's the wild. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read a little part for you here. Now, this is from Wiki, so we'll decide so whether- So it's 100% accurate and true. Absolutely. It is rock solid information I'm about to give you mm-hmm. that Norm Green, who owned the Minnesota NHL team, in 1992, he wanted to take the Minnesota North Stars to Los Angeles to Anaheim and he wanted to relocate them. But mm-hmm. the NHL had already committed to giving the Anaheim team to the Walt Disney Company so that they could create the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. And so the Minnesota team couldn't move to Anaheim and they ended up moving to Dallas to become mm-hmm. the Dallas Stars. So mm-hmm. the question is one, do you think that this movie was so good to inspire a professional sports franchise. Mm -hmm. And also, do you think it was so good that it should have had two sequels? See, the thing is like, no, but there was a lot of other shit out at the time. So I guess in like the grand scheme of the 90s, maybe this was the gold standard. Now I feel like, you know, I've watched a lot of better things and this is not 
the deepest film. It's not the funniest <laughs> film. It's not the best acting, but it's fine. It's perfectly yeah. passable. So it's not that entertaining. Sure, I really. could see how it. Ha- I could see how it happened. I could see how it happened. It was a different time. The only thing I know about ducks, because th- these kids do shit all over ducks in this film. They're like, oh, ducks, ducks are- shit all over everything. Ducks. So- that is one thing. I know. <laughs> the other thing I know about ducks, they have humongous penises. <laughs> so that's your animal <laughs> fact for the episode. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the logo either that they created yeah, for this movie. It was-, it was a terrifying duck. I wish that the duck had looked more like the- a Donald Duck, maybe. <laughs> I don't think the Anaheim Ducks have a nice logo either. It's very average to me. So do better with Ducks artists. Well, Kate, we had Hillary Knight, we had the Mighty Ducks, and we had Anya, of course. But we also should tell the audience what we've been up to lately, which was an interesting little photo shoot that we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you came to Charleston, South Carolina, and we did the first time we captured images of the two of us together for Off the Looking Glass. And we had a, some trepidation going into this mm-hmm. photo shoot because the goal was whimsy. Mm-hmm. And uh, whimsy is not something you just whip up out of nowhere. Yes. You can't so, invent whimsy. You have to exude whimsy. Yeah. And do you think of yourself as a whimsical person? No. And I don't think of myself as a whimsical I person am either. extremely basic in every <laughs> way. But I think we captured whimsy. I think by the time people are listening to this, the photos are probably on social media. And if mm-hmm. not, they will be soon. So stay tuned for our whimsical photo shoot in which Kate and I laid on her bathroom floor while a photographer stood on a ladder several feet above us and took our photographs. Just to give people a little peek behind the scenes. That's how yeah. whimsy is captured, okay? That's how the sausage is made. No one really knows how the sausage is made. All right, let's tell people who makes this show. I'll start with you because you are a co-producer and co-host on Off the Looking Glass. Also producing the show is Anya Alvarez, who is also going to be playing at Pebble Beach soon, which is kudos to her. And Carl Scott, executive producing this show. And Joel Shupak, who does the sound design and audio design of Off the Looking Glass. And big thank you to Hillary Knight for joining us this week. And Gordon Bombay for the best and most iconic line in Disney movie history. I hate kids. They're barely human. And Joshua Jackson. Oh, man, it's my mom. She's pissed. For just being an adorable <laughs> little 10-year-old and growing up and then being on, what else was he on? I don't even know. I got myself Dawson's trapped Creek. Here. Dawson's Creek. That's it. I knew you would know that because you're basic. Right, Jess? Exa- my babysitter made me watch it when I was in like third grade. There you go terrible babysitter. See you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.